Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Thanksgiving Eve edition of Wednesday Night Live. My name is Ron Crawford. I'm coming to you from the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas. And I am just so happy to have the privilege of being able to reach out to my congregation from the Father's Church, as well as to all of our Saints Network family gathered throughout the world. That's kind of a strange thing to say throughout the world, but it it really is true. And one of the things that we as the Saints Network should be extremely grateful for is the way our Heavenly Father has brought together people from so many places in nations and in cities uh, throughout international borders. (laughs) And only God could do that, only God has done that, and we're so grateful to have a family like this. And so we greet you on this Thanksgiving Eve here in the United States. This is a holiday that is um, is an enduring one. I I have to admit that the premise of it was for Americans to to express their gratitude to God for His blessing and his favor in wartime environments, but generally for the amazing blessing that God has given to us as Americans. Now, I am pretty sure that a majority of Americans view this holiday as a chance for people to get together, for families and friends to get together to fellowship, to eat, uh, eat too much, to watch football games, and then to go back home uh, or clean up the house that you uh, welcomed people into and think, well, that was nice. I ate way too much. (laughs) I'm not sure how much Thanksgiving is is involved in that in the truest sense of the word but biblically <clears throat> excuse me biblically thanks has in in the old testament and the new has a twofold facet and we've studied this at length over the years in the old testament it has more to do with you expressing to god communing with god speaking to him of the things that he's done, conversing with him about his blessing and um, really, truly, in essence, being, uh, being focused upon that point of relationship with him. In the New Testament, it is primarily an idea of taking count, account of what God has done, where he has placed you, but then the looking forward, the looking ahead in grace 
to what comes next. I believe that the preponderance of Scripture tells us that thanksgiving is something that is a foundational necessity, a stepping stone for moving forward. Thanksgiving would entail staying in commune with God and um, reflecting on what he's given, what he has blessed you with, and, and, and really processing through the directive of the Spirit perhaps why he has given you the things he's given and um, and then try to process, there's that word again, what those factors mean when put together, kind of like working a, a puzzle. It, this is why God works in mysterious ways and we pray in the Spirit, we pray mysteries to God because God loves that connectivity and processing with you the meanings of things. Too many Christians are so cut and dry. You know, they want things simple. They want blah, blah, blah. You know, tell me this. Give me in three points what to do. And that should be the end result of the of the uh, the segments of communing with God and discerning where he wants. But the walk of faith is always going to be into a terrain guided by obedience, but a terrain that you may not know the answers. We walk by faith, the directives given by God at his right hand, and not by sight. So, to me, having grown up in the the walls, the four walls of the church, and being trained for uh, church ministry, I recognize that so often we, as Christians, totally miss the fabric of what it means to partner with God. I think the only time I see most Christians try to go before God and process what's happening is when something goes wrong or when they're in a crisis scenario. And, you know, they say, why did this happen? Why? But, and then they go down the, down the slope. Why did God allow this to happen? And they don't do it from the standpoint of being an interrogative question. They're doing it almost as a, an assignment to criticize God. And that's, that, those scenarios are usually the only time Christians try to figure out why things are happening the way they are. And um, therefore, we miss the essence of, of relationship and the directives of the Spirit and, and faith. You know, the Spirit guides sons, as many of the sons of God, they're, they're guided by the Spirit. Um, they're led by the Spirit. The Spirit of truth guides us into all truth. And truth is something that was hidden, that God is in the process of, of revealing. And that in itself is a revelatory mystery-resolving type of walk. So thanksgiving is something that we should have in our hearts as a point of continuing commune with God, we should be very careful 
to express our gratitude for what he's done, we should allow in that conversation between ourselves and God to be open to the Spirit putting things together in the line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little type of a process, not questioning God, but communing with Him, learning, sensing what His Spirit would say. And therein we come to a a foundational point, a launching point into grace. Without that process, it's going to be very difficult for someone to truly move into grace. Now, praise is a different thing. Praise is a type of pronouncement concerning what God is going to do. You know, we often confuse our word definitions and we simply relegate praise to something, a reflection of things that have happened. And that's more a process of thankfulness. And you can, you can glorify God, you can magnify him for what he's done. But praise should always reach forward. Yes, praise can be launched from the base of thanksgiving, but praise should move forward. Praise waits in Zion. Praise waits for that next development of what is uh, is on the horizon, wherein God wants to change that Zion twisted, dry place into a fruitful place. And in the middle of all of that is a topic that I was blessed to be in discussion yesterday on on uh, Saints Radio. Uh, Monica Terrell and I were talking about what it means to meditate before the Lord. And uh, there were some very clear questions about what is involved in meditation. This is something that I've been really attempting to apply in my own life. And I didn't say something yesterday because I did not want it to become the basis of our discussion, but I actually taught uh, in the middle of October, just a month ago, I preached on this topic, and I talked about Haggah, not the not the Chag that is the root of, um, of what holiness and saints is, but this Haggah, which is regularly translated as meditate, um, a signature verse for us. And there's an outline available. I think it was October 18th. Um, but there's an outline available that has a lot of uh, scriptures where this word is used. But the Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. And you will that you may do according to all that is written therein, and you have you have this word used to describe 
what your tongue says, um, making sure you're not imagining a vain thing, making sure that you're focused on wisdom and not deceit, making sure that you are spending time with God in the night watches when he would awaken you. Um, you got to make sure that what you speak is through the process of this meditation. Uh, you, you meditate on what God has done. You make sure that you are studying the scripture and learning from God. You know, we don't, um, we don't want to enter into any measure of murmuring because the derivation of this word is the primary word spoken about in murmuring in the Old Testament. In fact, in Isaiah 8, uh, verse 19, it speaks about familiar spirits and wizards that make strange noises and they they speak in a, in a perverted way of meditation um it, it's it's a very interesting it's a very interesting study but it is a practical measure of application now this Haggah, uh, in its earliest use uh was about metallurgy and it talked about the processing of silver and skimming away the dross that that intense heat and that fire would bring to the surface of a uh, silver refining. And we know from our studies that silver is a lieutenant color. It It is the last uh, the last metal that processes out of gold in its refining process, and it really speaks about a quality of character, the ability to obey orders, to, to be in rank. And so I think it's very interesting that this term was used to describe the processing of silver, particularly silver, not just any processing. And I think that... <clears throat> I think that this brings about the heart of um, of what God wants us to do when we meditate. Now, you know, Isaiah, uh, no, I'm sorry, um, there, there are a lot of things that the scriptures speak about. I've got to stay on topic here. I almost went into Isaiah and I don't need to do that. <laughs> oh, my uh, but we find uh, with Isaac, Isaac was waiting for Eliezer to return with uh, his bride-to-be. And uh, he Isaac went out into the field, and the Bible says he was meditating. And that's suach. And that, that means to really be compl- contemplating issues in your life, contemplating scenarios that are really troubling or uh, our needs. <clears throat> and you're not complaining necessarily, even though you could easily go into that. But that's a different term. This meditating, this hara, is that you are before God, usually in a scenario that is 
a trying one and you're trying to process what God has done and where you are going in following him. But most importantly, it is looking introspectively with the help of the Spirit into your life to say, what things are coming to the surface here that I should not carry with me into the next thing? It's very simpler. It's very simple to connect this with the, the process of the bitter sop. It's very simple to connect this with learning how to prophesy and not be a wormwood bitter individual. Um, you you have to see, as we spoke of yesterday, that people like Moses and Elijah both came to a point where it was a transitional moment. God was wanting to take them into the new. He was wanting them to contemplate where they have been, to get geared up for where he wants to take them next. And at that moment, issues in their own life, perhaps woundings from the past, insecurities, um, areas of their thoughts that felt that something else should have happened that necessarily did not manifest when God finally did the work. Those are all things that we have to process. And if we don't, we will fail, as Moses and Elijah did. Think about Jonah in a, a totally different scenario, but yet there he was. He had issues with going to Nineveh. He didn't want to go, but he finally went. And then after God did what he was going to do, I think Jonah really hoped that those people would reject the word, and then the judgment he felt they were deserving of would come. And when that didn't happen, he sat there under that gourd and complained. You know, when you read in Malachi, the last book in the Bible, uh, of the Old Testament, you have, um, in the third chapter, God says, um, you know, why are you complaining about me? You you look around and you say that the the wicked are happy and that implies that you aren't and um you know you you have to process that and and i understand uh, this is this has been something that i believe this is not about me but this is something that i have really in my prayer times had to had to submit myself to God in. And I dare say you, dear saints, have been dealing with these things because it's a God thing. We're about to step into a pathway that has been meticulously prepared by God. And it's going to be built upon 
the things that God has taught us and brought us. And we have to make sure that in our role as servants of God, as those that want to obey what he's saying from the throne, that we allow the Spirit to identify areas that maybe are um, painful expressions in our life, things we don't understand, why things certain things happen, even though we pressed on, why we, why we, um, uh, why we didn't see all the things that we, in our thoughts, f- believe God should do. Why other people did what they did. Why there is the blessing that we might feel should belong to us being poured out on people who we maybe don't think, just in our assessment, not not judging, but just in our assessment, and we all do this, Maybe they're they're not doing as noble a mission as we are, but yet there they are. And and I think that we need to we hear the words of Elijah, and he says, um, you know, I've been jealous for you. I've partnered with you on behalf of what you want to do. And we've had this breakthrough, yes, but I don't understand why this thing's happening and this thing's happening. I've really accomplished nothing. Um, I've, I've not really done anything better than what my ancestors have done. Um, and, you know, it, I see cyclical things. You know, ever since we've been saints, I've seen cycles of things that every time they hit, they irritate me. You know, and I'm not going to go into them in detail because I know that somebody will hear this and they'll, they'll not like what I'm saying, but every one of us has some measure of dross. It's not necessarily in, in my reflections, criticism or judgment. It's just, you get tired of seeing the same secondary scenarios play out. You know, for me, I, I'll just speak about one of them. And this should minister to the hearts of, of everybody that wants to serve God in an exemplary way as a saint. Um, you know, over the years, I have seen, I believe that we've been given the best of the best I believe we've been given the ultimate of, of partnership with God from the Scripture. I believe that God has shown us that the treasures of scriptural understanding and continues to do so. And, and we've seen God do incredible things. And we know it's a remnant. We know it is um, a seed we know Lord Sabaoth works in that way. We understand that. 
but it's always perplexed me why not everybody wants this who are Christians. Because it's the objective that God wants. Why do Christians settle for other things? And why why is there a groundswell of people that flock to lesser things instead of accepting this ultimate measure of partnering with God? And I guess if they I guess if they didn't do that, then the principle of the remnant or the residue would not be there. The principle of the cutting edge of princes, princes would not be there. But it it just troubles me. And then and then I think, well, maybe you didn't do all that you could have so that those folks would have, you know, followed this message. Um and um I I I think those things because I want to do what I'm supposed to do. And um I think that I think that God wants me to process that because it's it's based and the other reason I'm saying this is I believe that lots of saints think this. Um we only want God to have his way. And we want everybody to know him in this way. And so um, I just, I believe that the spirit stirs these kinds of conversations. And, and I think that's inherent in what Elijah and Moses said. What did you, what did Elijah mean by, you know, I've not accomplished anything. You uh, look, it's just, like it was, I see the same things happening over and over. What did he mean by that? Do you think he, who were, who were his ancestors? He was probably referring to other prophets like Samuel, like Gad, like Ido, you know, prophets that are there in the scripture. Um, I, I, and I, I, you see them rise. Look at Isaiah. How many reigns did he minister to? All of those kings. And God is moving in power. Do you think he didn't feel, Isaiah didn't feel frustrated at times? He had to have. And so, you know, I, I think that as we go into this, new season and we're entering into it we're going to see phenomenal things but if we don't let this dross be addressed i'm not saying it's all going to be gone because i'm still going to marvel when people do dopey things i'm still going to marvel when marvel when people um leave their first love and apply that agape into the world or into some other nonsensical doctrine. I'm still going to marvel at that. It's probably going to irritate me first, but I'm going to have to make sure that the residue of irritation is purged out pretty much so that I don't let it affect me. This is meditation. 
It's communing with God so that you can cause any measure of, I won't even say errant thinking, because basically what Elijah said, a lot of it was right. Basically what Moses said, a lot of it was right. I mean, when he called those that that next generation rebels look at what look at what Joshua had to deal with look what the angel had to deal with when Joshua died those those guys were just as maybe a little bit better than their 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 uh, the previous generation but what Moses said was analytically correct but it wasn't what he was supposed to say and therein is our issue. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. God is dealing. He's, he's upgrading and purifying our heart. That's what meditation is. This biblical meditation. And then, of course, you could go into murmuring. Same uh, derivation of this word. Or you could go into wizards, and we quoted that verse, read that verse earlier, that speak perverseness, which would be like an evil rhema, um, you, you can see how, as we've often said, that witchcraft is really based on bitterness and anger. Now, there's, there's also those that are wanting power, but... Um, power and position take the place of divine love and, and God's will. But this is all fundamentally formed by what we think. And this is why we, we must spend time with God, um, allowing him to process these things in the night, basing it on his word, um, guarding our words, guarding our actions, and and all the ways that that term is used. And so, um, there are a lot of these things that people deal with, and and God knows this. In fact, it gives us an opportunity to come and. Submit ourselves to be refined by God. There's lots of different types of refining in Scripture. And that's a study for another day. But this type of meditation and refining is really for those that are in the crux of strategic placement in God. And we have to make certain that we allow God to involve himself in this process and that we, we submit to him the things that his spirit would indicate. And so I would like to propose an assignment for us on this 
series of days that form the Thanksgiving holiday. I want to suggest that you specifically note thank you, Father, for what you gave me here. Thank you, Father, for how you did this. Let the Spirit guide. Now, it's an easy back-of-the-common-book-of-prayer thing to say, Father, I thank you for my family. I thank you for the food I have to eat. I thank you that I have the money to put gasoline in my car. I thank, you know, though we should all be thankful for that. But if that's, if that's the essence of your Thanksgiving this year, you, you can probably get a, a C grade because that's average. It's necessary, but it's average. Be grateful for those things, and we are grateful. Maybe not as grateful as we should be, but we are grateful. But we need to take a look at where God has brought us. What are the main things, spiritually, positionally, that we've received from God? And we need to, we need to hold on to them and thank Him. Take it a step further. Put those things together and see if they form a tapestry of direction why did God give me this, 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 and this? And why, how do they work together? And what does it set the stage for? God loves those kind of conversations. You may learn something about those individual pieces, and it may be a, a vectoring point that projects forward into what's next on your horizon. But then, with that, spend some time meditating before the Lord. Ask the Spirit of God to help you. Now, I love what David said. Search me, O God. Try me. See if there's any wicked way in me. And I know that was on the heels of Bathsheba and Uriah, and I, I know that. But, but that was an indication. You know, challenging situations will reveal your integrity and your processing. When you, when you get to a point of need, we'll see what you've done to prepare. You wait till an emergency to begin to prepare. You maybe have waited a bit too long. God is good. He's so gracious to us, but um, challenging times reveal the essence of who you are. And that was a challenging time for David. And he went into the mode of what I believe was his meditation flow. Search me, O God. Try me. See if there be any wicked way in me. 
don't cast me away from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Um, I I think I think that we um, we need to really not being judgmental. You know, some some folks maybe one of the things they need to pur- God needs to purge from you is your woe is me kind of a thing. You know, I always hate when, like in administration or whatever, when you when you're trying to point out what should have been done and what shouldn't have been done, when the person's response is, "Oh, I'm so sorry," and then the waterworks start or whatever, and you think, "I am really only interested now in saying." What did we do do wrong? Let's learn not to do it again. I'm not looking for a bucket of tears and a and a good washing with them. Um, God is not wanting you to go into a meltdown. He's wanting to prepare you for what's coming, and this is where humility brings promotion. That's not your motive, but that's why God exalts the humble. That's why God searches for the contrite. All of these factors are part of this process of meditation. And so there's a lot of things that I I have to deal with. I see the Bible as my type. I see the Bible as my, my uh, primer. You know, the, this verse that we read and other verses... Using the same word, this book of the law shall not depart out of my mouth and will meditate upon it day and night. I see the word. I see people doing these things before God. And I recognize that this is something that God loves to do with us. And, you know, one of the issues that I always had with quote-unquote revival meetings where churches would schedule a yearly revival, and and I sat through them as a kid. I grew up in the church. Um, I'd see the same guy that I knew come every year and repent of the same thing. And then he'd go out from that meeting and do that thing all year long, I remember my friends, a lot of my friends, and I'm not picking on the Catholics, but a lot of my friends in high school who were Catholic or Eastern Orthodox, they would go and just, those those were the most rowdy kids I'd ever been around, ever. And then they'd go to Mass, they would confess, and they'd go out and do the same things again. They loved it when they had um, uh, that they could go to mass on Saturday night. <laughs> it, it was just funny to hear them process. Uh, and I'm not faulting. I'm not justifying confessing to a priest. I'm not getting into that measure of soteriology. But I, I think that every religion seems to be that easy off. Well, we don't take accountability for the things we do. We just ask forgiveness and then roll on. Um, I, I just, I feel like we can't enter into this new season. And it's going to be a great one.
with these interesting nuances of predisposition. I'm speaking to myself. Uh, this, this, where we are in meditation before the Lord right now, is is touching very deep things. And see, the thing is, is that there, a lot of these assessments are accurate. <laughs> it's not like they're bore you wrong. They're accurate, but we can't allow ourselves to be swayed by the things that we see. We've got to walk in faith. Moses, what he said was accurate. But his problem was he didn't do what God told him to do in the midst of that accuracy. And I just believe that the Spirit of the Lord would have us to... um, um, Take this seriously, because <laughs> it's important for where we're going. It really is. Maybe maybe some of the things I deal with are different than what you deal with, because I feel a responsibility for leading, in some ways, this network. Now, we have wonderful men and women who are in positions of authority as pastors and as leaders. I value what they're all leading as well. I feel, for whatever I feel God has asked me to do, I feel a sense of responsibility. And so I view things through that lens, which maybe some of you listening don't view things that way. It's all a matter of the perspective of what we've been asked to do. But I think I think there may be some Jonah uh, directives that God brings. You know, there may be some, you know, <laughs> you remember when the prophet came and there were all those false prophets sitting around and the, the king of Israel and the king of Judah was there and the prophet said, I don't have any respect for you at all. And I, I, the only reason I'm here is that I kind of respect this other guy. And who says something like that? And then he gives the prophecy of make this valley full of ditches and the big miracle that comes. That's great. I don't think I can go that far to say those things. But the point was is that he was accurate in not respecting those false prophets and not respecting that king that was bowing to those false prophets. Some of the things that Elijah said to Ahab were abrasive. They were true. So you got to be really careful. You know, if you're a pneumatikos individual, you're going to see things clearly. You're certainly going to know whether things are scriptural or not. But those assessments are, while valid to some degree, are not to be the basis of your obedience. And I, I think that it's good that God is calling us to meditate. After all these years, we've gone through processes like this before. Each of you have. But there's still more refinement. We're changed from glory to glory, the Bible says. 
we are being refined. The, the trying of our faith is more precious than gold. It's being refined. And that keeps on being refined. We, we want to be the very best that we can be for our Father so that he can use us. I, I just think that it would be good for all of us to give thanks, and not just on a cursory level, as important as that is, but in a deeper way, to set aside time individually to give thanks, and then to meditate. Now, some of you aren't going to have to set aside time, because those night watches, the Spirit's been getting you up and you've been praying. And it's not always about warfare. It's not always about some burden in some foreign land where we have a saint's outpost, even though that happens. It's not always some uh, intercessory assignment for uh, an area where God wants you to pray, even though you don't have any real tangible physical connection with that area. That's happened too on many occasions. But sometimes God in those night watches, wants to engage in what the Bible says is a, a meditation scenario. And we better, we better be ready for that because it's, it's necessary if we want to really be used by God in the times that are ahead. I'm I'm so grateful for this, I, but I'm, I'm telling you though. Do you want to ask me? Do I like this process? <laughs> oh man, I like it because I see that it blesses God. Um, I don't. As somebody who processes and it, it, the. The mechanism of my mind is always thinking and trying to deduce and strategize. It's 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 like it's like God. Um, it's it's if we really want to become like God or like Christ, which is what Christian means. Before some of you say, "Oh, you saying he's like God." Christian means Christ-like. If we really want to be like them, we have to recognize that when he first came to the earth as a human and fully God, fully man, he came into this quagmire of mess, but he came anyway. Um, And so I guess... To answer that question, which nobody asked, I like I I love to do what God wants me to do. I see the benefit of this, just marginally. I see the benefit of it, and I'm sure it goes much deeper than what my carnal mind can perceive. But in the middle of it, uh. I don't like it. I, I don't. I don't like having 
to view something that is happening that I know, not my perception, I know biblically and I know from the Spirit that it's not what God really prefers. I don't, I don't like having to recognize that but yet go on. And I'm not being judgmental. I'm not being critical. I'm just saying it would be like a teacher. Okay, let's look at this. If, if, if you're a teacher, and many of you are, and you are teaching your students things that are absolutes, and you can see that some kids just aren't getting it, but they're sincere and they're trying you go the extra mile for them. You don't just give them an A so that they can scoot on, an A for effort. You shouldn't do that. But then there may be kids that just aren't paying attention. They're not doing the work. Do you like that? Do you say, though, I'm not going to teach you anymore. As frustrated as you are, you have a responsibility to keep on trying to get them to do things. And then what about the parents who little Johnny goes home and says, the teacher's being mean to me. The assignment wasn't clear. Oh, we got a boatload of that over the, the Zoom teaching where parents were just firing off emails to teachers. I know that. I saw them in my own household, and it was frustrating. Kids that just would not do their assignments and then they'd go home and pull on mommy's heartstrings and she'd come like a roaring lion to try to attack the teacher. That happens all over the place. Do you like that? No, but you're still a teacher. And you commit. And you try to process so that it doesn't overly affect you, either in your emotions or in your stress level, or in the way you treat the child. See, you have to process in this way. And, and I think we as saints who are pneumatikos people, we see what the scripture clearly says should be happening. I think it's an amazing thing that, as we've studied, the saints are in the church. Paul specifically speaks about those subsets within a within a church and he says it over and over again it always amazes me that the general church doesn't want to go into the things of the saints even though they should but then i have to recognize that if they all were doing what the saints did then there'd really be no Special designation of saints. Maybe instead of the ecclesia, well, what is the ecclesia? Those that are called out to serve the kingdom. In the midst of that, there are people who are skilled in the pneumatikos ways. And those folks are always going to have to deal with people who aren't necessarily functioning in that way for whatever reason. That's one of the main things that I'm dealing with. I'm just being honest. Please don't send me any emails. 
I, I, the only reason I'm talking to you about this is that I want you to go before the Lord and hear what he's saying to you. Because there are things in all of us, not necessarily sins. Of course, if there are sins, you need to get them out. Submit them to the Lord, ask forgiveness. But then do something so that you don't miss the mark anymore. This is a very strategic moment in the kingdom. And I believe that God is um, is doing some wonderful things in the saints. Let him do it this weekend. Let him let him have that time where you meditate before him. See, invite the Spirit of God to search you. Invite the fire of the Spirit to touch the essence of who God's created you to be so that that dross will come up to the surface and you can skim it off. It's a good thing. It's a necessary thing. It's very similar to the table of communion with the bitter sop. Get those things out that could either limit you in your effectiveness in the days ahead or could make you vulnerable in the days ahead. A days ahead. I don't want either of them in my life. How about you? So happy Thanksgiving to everybody. This should be a pleasant process for us. Give thanks. Or speak your appreciation to God for his blessing. But let him process the things that are dross right now that you were able to skip by, skim by in past tests, but now God says, I've got to touch this. You know, fear, insecurity, jealousy, competition. Um, I think envy, the desire to be first. Those things are characteristic of this dross. Maybe they're an infection that comes because of dross. You've got to cleanse that, cleanse that out and get it out of there. It's clogging up the fuel tank. It's clogging, it's clogging up what, what God wants to really do through you. And so may God bless each of you. It's, it's such an honor to be able to walk with you as saints. And um, we, we pray that God will specially pour out his spirit upon each of you during this particular series of days. And we look forward to the privilege of being able to be with you this coming Sunday. Um, and until that time, Happy Thanksgiving, and may God bless you. Goodbye.